Welcome to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. Leaders are the heartbeat of any organization. Let Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler share with you the pathway to becoming a top leader in your organization. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler. Welcome to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. I'm Dr. Relly Nadler. Dr. Kathy Greenberg, my co-host for the last 13 years, uh, is here with us today. And Kathy and I are talking about our new book, Emotional Brilliance, which will come out on June 9th. And we're excited to give you some tips and tools, you know, about that in this show and same thing with some of our other shows. Uh, Kathy, welcome to the show. Thanks, Relly. Uh, you know, I'm so excited for the series that we're doing on uh, America Copes Together and for those we know and love around the world, for the nation, all nations that cope and have to cope together. So we're, we're really doing this a little bit differently for those of you who are used to listening to us. There will not be any commercials uh, in this show. And the reason is we want to spend every moment with you, our listeners, sharing as many tips and tools as we can to help you be your best. And, uh, you know, Relly, I think for those who are listening, um, if we just want to mention quickly about some of the things that we've done that have led up to this book, um, we can dive right into where we left off in the last show on our target model. Yeah, so let me just say a little bit about what emotional brilliance is for folks who are maybe new new to this. so emotional brilliance is a takeoff from or zeroing in from emotional intelligence. Both Kathy and I are certified in a lot of emotional intelligence um, assessments that we bring to organizations. Both Kathy and I are uh, executive coaches. Um, both of us have um, <clears throat> doctorates, you know, advanced training in, in our field. Kathy in um, human behavior, myself in psychology, and we have taken to the emotional intelligence of bringing those key competencies to the individuals, leaders that we work with, because it's one of the key critical factors of what makes a top performer. In today's day, with the pandemic, people being sheltered in, a lot of the one-ifs, to be a, a top performer, um, you know, like we could say a top 10%, you need these emotional intelligence skills. This is what's going to allow you to first be calm yourself, make really good decisions. Second, to really be able to lead your people, to be able to motivate them, to be able to be really clear about what's needed because of the high anxiety that we all have. And the concept of emotional brilliance is what competencies, strengths, values do you bring that allow you to be your best. So if you think about a target, on the outside of the target are all the variety of strengths that you use depending on, you know, different situations. Um, And then there's a second circle inside that, which are probably your strengths that you kind of lean on the most. So you got a, you know, wide arraignment in the outside circle, which do you lean on, you use a lot. And then the go-to, which we're calling in our book, Emotional Brilliance, the go-to, Depending on the situation, what do you pull out of your toolbox? What do you use that is the right thing in that right situation? So it's like the secret sauce. 
And so that's kind of what we're we're going to be focusing on in in the book. Give you a lot of information about uh, competencies and about emotions and feelings. We'll talk about today. But one of the takeaways for you, the the reader, and today the listener, what do I bring forth? And I love that word, Kathy. What do I summon? And do we, is it there? You know, when you summon something, you're bringing it forth. So for some people, it's already there, and they got to make it more conscious. For other people, they have to develop what this go-to is. You know, I, it's not like it's right there. It's not like I can kind of pull it out. I need to develop this one. Maybe it's patience. Maybe it's uh, courage. Maybe it's vulnerability. Maybe it's curiosity. Maybe it's empathy. Kathy, we talked about for you, you know, adaptability. What do you pull out, you summon, or what do you need to develop? Let me kind of pause there and, and, and have your take on that. So, Willie, as you're talking about um, our you know, capability, where we came from, and what my go-to is, uh, as we said, it's you know, that adaptability. I also think about the kinds of things that you and I have been sharing with our audience now for you know, 13 years. Um, what, some 3 million downloads, and that is when you are at your best and when you are at your worst, what is it that you have right. that pulls you back from yeah. that moment? Because even if you're in your best moment, okay, that go-to can be overplayed as well. So let's break this down for everybody. Um, and. The book is coming out on June the 9th, so don't worry. You're going to get all the... And, you know, think about, as we're going through this, what are you when you're at your best? What are you when you're at your worst? Mm -hmm. And there's a strength. There's a strength in there, okay, in that center circle that takes you from your emotional competencies that you know work for you to your go-to, which is the target. And, Relly, I'm going to just hand that back to you for a second. Yeah. You know, one of the things I, I like, Kathy, we talked about in the last show, and we hadn't talked about it this way, but I think your, your go-to is taking back the steering wheel um, to where you want to go. And we talked about the idea that the brain has this negativity bias. And with so much anxiety and the what-ifs about going back to work, you know, what if, what if someone in my family gets... COVID? What if my job isn't that stable? What if I get laid off? What if um, there are issues, you know, around my health, other people's health? There's so many what ifs, and that's the negativity bias of the brain that is just trying to get ahead of things. It's trying to protect us. Uh, and so that's why we're going to have, going back, generalized anxiety. I think almost everybody will. As a psychologist, you know, we you have uh, diagnostic um, evaluations that you do, generalized anxiety is just this heightened anxiety uh, that we're all going to have. And so that's where the brain is trying to get ahead of things and what is wrong, what could go wrong, how do I protect myself. Taking back the steering wheel is saying, yep, that's what's pulling me, but in this situation, how do I get back control? And it is a lot of the positivity. It's a lot of, for your brain, really focusing on what do I need to do here? Let me take a pause. Let me get a break between that stimulus and automatic response so I can bring my best self. That could be an emotion. You know, let me bring back uh, 
patience. Let me bring back compassion. It could be a value. Let me see the good in all the people. Let me be honest. It could be a prompt that you give to yourself. You know, how do you talk to yourself? I can do this. Um, I'm going to make the most of this. Uh, Let me see the best in people. So whatever that may be, that's what we're talking about in that go-to. What's going to bring you the best? Often it's just maybe asking really good questions. What What do I need to do now? How do I bring my best self forth? Um, what do I? What's my resources? What do they need? A lot of these, Kathy, are those some of those key kind of key questions to just give a pause to bring yourself the, your best in that moment, in that middle circle. And you know, the thing that we forget about is that we have outsourced a lot of our emotions. We've wow. outsourced them through social media. We've outsourced them through going on autopilot a lot. And one of the most challenging things that any of us can do in recovering and bouncing forward from this pandemic environment is recognizing that emotions are contagious. No, stay with me for a second. How many of you have been in an environment prior to the pandemic where you're standing in line at a grocery store or at a movie theater, okay, so you're thinking back to what it was like, and you are being exposed to somebody else's phone call because the person who's using their cell phone is in their own little bubble and doesn't realize that whatever it is that they're saying, especially if it's a dramatic phone call, infused with either, you know, anger or frustration or any kind of negativity, you're standing there. They're unaware of this. And those emotions are contagious. Now, their words and their emotions are making you feel uncomfortable. So think about that. How many of you have been in that situation? What did you do in that moment to protect yourself from being invaded by their emotions. Now, at first, most of us either go to one pole or the other, and those poles are, again, your strength and your weakness. The first pole is generally how annoying, how invasive, how disrespectful, and then somehow you get beyond that and you bounce forward into integrity into your values, into your honor, right? And you honor yourself and those around you in the moment and you pull it together and you don't say anything. You might whisper something to the person you're with if you know them or you might give a look to that person to let them know that you're being impacted. But the reality is in that moment, You know what your go-to is. That's what we're trying to get everybody to focus on. What is that go-to? And, Kathy, let me uh, share some things just that we know about feelings. This is in in our book, Emotional Brilliance, Living a Fearless and Stressless Life. So, um... One of the things we talked about and we just talked about now, you know, feelings are contagious. 
And we're making the distinction between an emotion and, and a feeling in the book. And an emotion is what the sensation is in your body. You may have a you know, irritant or something's going on, but you're, as you try to figure it out, you go, what is it? What am I feeling? We, then we go to our brain and we try to figure it out. And so it's cognitively laden. And we go to our brain and what do we use to figure out that emotion? It's our past experiences, our past learning. And the brain we know is this prediction machine. So we're making a prediction or we're making a best guess. Oh, I think I'm anxious. Oh, I think I'm, uh, I'm irritable or irritated. Well, so when you put a label on it, that becomes a feeling. And so that's one of the distinctions that we're using and that you can get better knowing what your feelings are. It's like learning a different language. And so what are those kind of key feelings? You know, what are those ones that you have? And feelings really go from pleasant to unpleasant. We kind of rate them on a a level. Obviously, we don't like the unpleasant ones. We want more pleasant. But there's also an intensity level from being kind of low on intensity, you know, maybe feeling mellow, feeling quiet, to high on intensity, which could be ecstatic or it could be angry. You know, so we have that. And because the negativity bias, without realizing it, like Kathy said, we can influence others. And then the other thing about feelings that we'll talk about is if we don't do anything with it, we think it's going to biodegrade. It's not really going to biodegrade. It's there. It can be stuck. You kind of need to let it out to someone that you trust. You want to let others in. So you can truly move on or let go. What do we do? We hold it in. We don't tell anybody. We hold others off. They ask how you're doing with the pandemic. What's going on? Oh, yeah, I'm fine. I'm all right. And then we just hold in that anxiety apprehensions, and that's not healthy for the body. And so part of what we're doing in our book is to give you some tools about, well, how do you let it out? Who do you let it out to? You just don't do it randomly. You want to make sure the person's really going to listen and it's going to enhance the relationship. And then you can kind of move on a bit. You can kind of let go. Uh, To think that nothing's going to happen and it's going to biodegrade, it really becomes kind of a poison to you. And the last thing I'll say about this is by replaying all the negative feelings that we have in our brain and all the things that we're really scared about, that we're ruminating. So like I mentioned, we all have generalized anxiety. We're ruminating about things. It starts to eat away. The neuroscientists are telling us it eats away at your memory, but also impulse control. So if you find yourself shorter with people, more irritable, um, it may be that these feelings, emotions are starting to kind of eat away at your impulse control. You know, Raleigh, when you said that one of the uh, one of the concepts here is uh, holding on to that negative emotion and thinking that it's it's biodegradable, and of course, um, Father Mike uh, Monsignor Michael Mannion, who worked with Mother Teresa for uh, over twenty five years, has taught us that emotion that are not transmitted are transferred. Let me say that again. Emotions that are not transmitted are transferred. So to the point you are making, you know, you hold on to that stuff and you don't share it with the appropriate person in a safe space. And you hold that in. It's going to come out sideways. Right. 
it, yep. it's going to come out spontaneously and sometimes unprovoked because you've been trying to put a lid on that pot, right? That boiling yep. water in there. And so the steam has to be released or that pot yep. is right. going to blow up. So yep. the other thing I would like to share with everybody in, in one of my prior books, uh, both What Happy Women Know and What Happy Working Mothers Know, one of our uh, principles of happiness was don't hold on to grudges and don't hold on to any kind of anger related to guilt or shame. And the reason is those feelings, they become poisonous. And you think you're hurting somebody else, right? You're going to make that person feel guilty or shameful. And as a result, you're not going to talk to them anymore. Or you feel guilty or shameful. So you're not going to talk to anybody anymore. The reality is that's like taking poison and expecting somebody else to get sick. You're the one who's going to get sick, not anybody else. So releasing that letting go of it, and finding the safe space to do it, that's what's going to relieve that anxiety. That's what's going to get you back into what we call balance or homeostasis. And hopefully, there are certain stimulus, there are certain images, okay, that you can use to either pull you back into balance or that might ramp you up into stimulating that feeling too often and being in the pandemic and watching too much of that television about negativity because bleeding leads and the media is always captivating our attention through drama. You need to recognize that sometimes social media, whether it's TV or online or on your phone or whatever it is that you're paying attention to has a negative underlying context an underlying message. And that is hurting you. It's hurting anybody who does nothing but take that in all day long. Right, right. And, and Kathy, on the, on the last show, we talked about the negativity bias. It's kind of like the brain's got this one road. And which road are we going to travel? And like you're saying, uh, that watching TV and all the negativity, it almost is like the road sign that are there and say, see, it is really scary. See, we got to, you know, you, you're not thinking about this enough. See, no one's safe. And you're going down that road, and those are the road signs. And what we're really trying to get people in a kind of a visual is to say that's there and not that some of that is not real, but is it productive for you? Is it constructive? What may be more constructive is take the wheel and turn it in the direction of, we're going to talk about what you do with these feelings, but, you know, to recognize the feelings and maybe accept that this is scary, and then to go to say, okay, so what can I do about this? And how do you steer your thoughts onto the road of what's going to be more positive, maybe more learning, maybe seeing some opportunities here? That's a different uh, road. And unless you take the wheel, you're pulled with everything around us, and we're influenced by others, that if you don't have the wheel to where you want to go and your thoughts and your emotions, you're already going to be pulled into that negativity bias. And we can talk more yeah. about, you know, what, this. We can, but I, you know what, we're not going to be taking a regular break 
um, during the show. And we're about halfway through, and I thought maybe this is a good moment for all of us to just take a breathing break together, right? So if you think about where you are right now and whether you're, you know, cooped up inside because you're still sheltering in, you've got kids running around that you're trying to educate and keep entertained or you're uh, going into another Zoom meeting as soon as this is over, Uh, perhaps you're exercising and you just um, listen to us as you get through your program. But I want you all to just take a moment and I want you just to breathe, just to breathe in and out, slowly, to take that breath in and release it, and take another breath in and release it. And sometimes when we just take this moment of breathing and letting that air run through our lungs, run through those capillaries that are picking up the oxygen, that we need to get to our muscles and our brain just to keep us going is so refreshing. But going back to what Relly was talking about, let me give you some, um, maybe some hardcore examples. If you are in a anxious state, and it may be mild anxiety, this feeling of tension, of edginess, And that's so normal for all of us who've been indoors, Um, you know, where some of us are fortunate. Some of us are fortunate to be in a space where we can see green trees and green grass and water. Others, you know, we're trapped in a cement jungle where all we get to see are other buildings, uh, the streets, the pavement. And luckily, we all get to see the sky at some point. But when you think about the environment that you're in, think about what it is that's increasing that feeling of anxiety, that feeling of being tense, that feeling of being cooped up. And think about who's there with you and how much of their energy you're actually absorbing. And having to tame, that's a lot of energy for anybody. And so our feelings range from pleasant to unpleasant in a matter of seconds. And the feelings within that moment can also be contagious. So the best thing that we can do for ourselves is to think about the breathing, but think about the stimulus that prevents us from taking that moment to recognize that we need something. We need something. And the stimulus might be somebody asking us or begging us or barking at us or that little timer going off saying, oh, you have a Zoom call. Any of these things are going to heighten what we already feel. So it's so important for us to understand the law of feelings. And that's what we're focused on in this program, the law of feelings. And one of the things that Riley said is so important, that pathway, right, that, that highway, it can only be used in one direction, whether it's pleasant or unpleasant. 
So the more you focus on the things you can control, like your steering wheel, your breathing, how you respond to stimulus, how you decide to absorb other people's emotions, right, the better you're going to be. And we are just taking you through these law of motions on this show, getting you ready to take on some of the tools that we'll be sharing from our new book, Emotional Brilliance, Living a Fearless or Stressless, Fearless Life. And it'll be out on June the 9th. And as we said before, it's going to be 99 cents for an ebook. And we're going to give you lots of information about that between now and June the 9th. So you can jump in there and grab that. And we wish we could just give it away to everybody. But unfortunately, um, we can't, but we can do it for 99 cents and we can give you as much of it as we can here for free until then. So, Relly, going back to um, our feelings, the law of feelings, um, where do you want to take us in the conversation? Yeah. Yeah. So let's say a little bit more about that. And then I think, Kathy, we should share our model of what to do with it. But so when we think about kind of an emotion, and I'm just going to read, you know, one of the things that we have in, in our book, how emotions are made. This is from Lisa, Lisa Feldman Barrett. An emotion is your brain's creation of what your body's sensations mean uh, in relation to going, what's going on around you in your world. So in every waking hour, your brain uses past experience organized as concepts to guide your actions. Is this safe? Is this not safe? Um, and so when you're able to put a name on that emotion, first we like to say you have to, you have to name it to tame it. And the more you kind of know about your emotions and why it matters, this is out of the uh, Center for uh, Emotional Intelligence at Yale, your emotions impact, your emotions, feelings, impact your attention, memory, learning. It impacts your decision-making. So think about the decision-makings that you're having now, and we want to give you more information so that you can make great decisions. Your relationship qualities, we talked about how if you're short or or irritated with folks because your um, emotions and, and your ruminationing about things, it affects your physical health. It affects your academic and life success. So a lot of times these feelings are in the background because we don't really know that much about it, and intellect gets more attention. And so the, what's going on for you is really critical to be able to name it. And so one of the, the model that we'll have, and we'll just highlight a couple things here, is, so what do you do with these emotions? Well, first, the, we're using an acronym of NAME, N-A-M-E. So the N stands for notice it, and then we talked about what are you noticing in your body, and then how do you give it a name? It kind of goes into your brain. You bring in your history. You're kind of taking a shortcut, like, oh, that's anxiety. You know, one of the things, Kathy, we, we, that I saw with my kids, my, my son would always, when he was younger, have what he called waist pain. Oh, my waist is kind of bothering me. So that's kind of that sensation in the body. And it wasn't until we saw the pattern that we realized that was a signal. A lot of times these emotions are signals. What does that signal mean? It really meant he was anxious. So then we were able to name it to tame it. So when that signal happened or when he said, oh, I got waist pain, you know, we didn't think it was indigestion. We didn't think it was something that he uh, ate or that he was sick. We realized that was his signal he was feeling anxious. So it allowed us to upgrade how we're talking to him. He really started to learn that that was anxiety. And so that's the end. Notice the name. And I'll just walk through it and then we'll, take, we'll 
zero back in. The A is how do you accept that? That's a critical issue because a lot of times, like Kathy, you were saying, we try to push it away. The M is how do you manage it? We have a series of tools about how do you manage it, sometimes thoughts, sometimes actions. And then the E is, is expressive. You only express it to yourself or do you express it to others? So that's kind of the model that we're going to highlight, and we can kind of zero in on on some of those uh, as we get forward here, Cass. So you want to say some more about that before we get to more detail? Yeah, I do. I want to make sure that everybody that's listening is recognizing that the, the laws of feelings are a guide for you to begin to understand by being aware of your feelings. So awareness of your feelings gives you space to respond to or adjust them. Let me give you an example. When, remember, we we talked about the difference between feelings and emotions, and maybe some of you haven't grasped that yet. I mean, that's a hard concept, and I want you to think about this. So feelings are mental experiences of bodily states, okay? How does that happen? Well, when there's a stimulus, generally through the optic nerves or through your eyes, through your sight, or a smell, right? So you have to be able to to have a stimulus that comes in to your brain. And when that, that stimulus comes in, the brain organizes that information, and it relates to some kind of a chemical that's in your body, and mostly it's in your brain when it begins. So the stimulus comes in, it is then clarified, identified, and cataloged in your brain, and that then goes to a chemical reaction. And the brain will then release that chemical into your body through your spinal cord. That activates what we know as a feeling. So the emotion precedes the feeling. Now, a lot of people get confused by that, really, because people think that there's a feeling, right? And then... The emotion is how we are interpreting that, right? Right. And so it's actually a little different than that. So if if our audience doesn't get that first, right, we can give them every exercise in the world to name something, but they have to be able to understand that basic physical reaction. Yep. And I I think uh, for our population, you know, there's a lot of motion... uh, theorists and motion scientists, and there's a lot of different definitions, but I think, you know, we're making that distinction, and you may still call it emotion, you may call it a feeling, I mean, you know, we kind of use both, but so we're, we are, it's a subtle distinction, but I think one of the key things are to kind of know about yourself, and to know which emotions, uh, which feelings are critical uh, for you, you know, given. So even now, you know, you may want to take a moment and say, okay, so do a little body scan. Kathy led you through a little breathing. You know, what are you? What is going on in your body? And if you had to name that, what is a feeling? And Kathy, in our, our book, we've talked about, so what is kind of that main feeling? And we've assessed people, we've interviewed them, 
And I think today, for most people, we could probably generalize, it's probably some level of anxiety. And one of the things is, what if some of that anxiety, you also created some space, and this is kind of your go-to, for gratitude. Some of the research that we know about gratitude, when you think about the brain, and we have this in our book, it's really, how do you change your brain? Attention and focus. So we're using that metaphor. How do you take back the wheel and say, which way do I want to go? What's my attention? What's my focus? Gratitude, a simple exercise that people may or may know about, is at the end of the day, you think about the two or three things that you feel grateful for, that you got through the day, your family's safe, you are able to enjoy some of the time with your with your family, um, you know, you, you are you are working or, or that you are on unemployment and that you're able to have some things that you feel good about, that focus, that attention and focus, it grows. So Kathy mentioned earlier, if it's only the negativity bias, that will grow. If it's a, and we're trying to infer a positivity bias, that will grow. And so if you go to sleep at night thinking about what you're grateful for, that's helpful. And then when you wake up in the morning, what are you grateful for? How do you start that way? Wouldn't you want that to grow versus the fear, apprehension, anxiety? I mean, it's all there. It's all real. But what's your focus? Oh, it focus? is. Yeah. And, Riley, what I wanted to chime in on was this idea about um, if we cannot identify our feelings, right, the bodily function, right. the bodily feelings that come from those emotions, stimulating the brain, if we don't understand those, we get sucked in to everybody else's emotions and feelings that they are showing, right? So you said anxiety. I think a big one that people are probably going through, and I'm going to share an example of what our friend Zena does to help her children stay focused. Um, A lot of people are also feeling grief. Uh, They're feeling a loss. And I know with my granddaughter, who's four, uh, and my roommate's children, who are three and eight, there's a lot of tension, especially building up in the little ones that don't understand. Well, why can't I go out and play? And they see children outside, but they can't go touch them. They can't go play with them. It creates so much trauma for them because they think that they're being punished. And it doesn't matter how much we rationalize. Their little brain doesn't think of this stupid virus, this angry virus, this thing that's preventing them from being with their friends. And children are so social. So some of us are going through grief, but we think it's anxiety. Some of us are going through loss, but we think it's anxiety. Some of us are going through um, the idea of beginning again, finding a new job. And that is creating some excitement, but it's also creating some sadness. And Mm -hmm. so calling everything anxiety is our normal way of operating. But if you don't understand the feelings in your body and how they show up, you will be treating yourself for anxiety when you have other emotions and so many of them that turn into feelings of sadness, of loss, of grief, of confusion, 
uh, of new beginning. And so understanding first, being aware, as Relly said, of naming it, noticing it and naming it, it's the first step to being able to respond and adjust. So, great, Kath. Let me say a couple more things about the N for name, you know, which is notice the name, A, accept, and manage, uh, E, uh, express. We're just taking you through some of the model that you have more of it in the book, which will be out on uh, June 9th. You know, Kathy mentioned awareness, and one of the, the definitions that we like to use, this goes back to Gestalt therapy and some of the writing that Fritz Perls did. Some people may be familiar with him. Awareness equals responsibility. So what does that mean? If you're not aware, you can't be responsible. And if you break up the word, the beautiful English language of responsibility means ability to respond. If you're not aware, so all the stuff in emotional intelligence, what we're talking about emotion brains, really starts with awareness. If you're not aware, you don't have any ability to respond differently. What that does mean, if you're not aware, you're going to respond the same way you've always done. If you always do what you've always done, you always get what you've always gotten, that adage. And so breaking up that awareness, and maybe it's just 10 seconds, maybe it's a minute. You know, so what's going on for me? Um, what do I want to see happen? What's a pattern about what I'm about ready to react to? And is this bringing up my best self? You know, kind of going back to our go-to. So that idea that awareness equals responsibility, and it's kind of that gap. You know, for many of you, you have read Man's Search for Meaning, Victor Frankl's book, you know, in a concentration camp. Stephen Covey kind of stumbled upon that also, and he wrote Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. It's that gap. Covey called it the moment of courage, and people are familiar with Victor Frankl and his story. He lived in a concentration camp, and uh, what he says, you know, there may have only been few in number, but those who offer sufficient proofs that everything can be taken away from a man but one thing, man or woman. The last of the human freedoms, that freedom to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose his own way, to now, as our words, to grab the steering wheel and figure out where to go. And so one of the things that, Kathy, that stands out, I remember from Man's Search for Meaning, you know, and this is in a concentration camp. We're not in concentration camps, but you think about kind of, you know, everything taken away. He, he only had water and a piece of bread. That was all he had. So without knowing it, what would be one of his feelings? How angry? The injustice. This is not fair. Sure, that would be normal for people to go through. Having, choosing his attitude, choosing the path, choosing how to steer his his car. The one example is, I got a piece of bread. Instead of being upset about only a piece of bread, you know, I'm going to have a piece in the morning for breakfast. I think like normally I'll have a piece in the afternoon for lunch. I'll have a piece in the, uh, in the evening. I'll split it up. You know, if I divided it up into force, I could have my three pieces. But, you know, there's a choice. I could have another piece. I wonder who I should give this to, that sense of service, generosity. I could give it to this person. They're having a hard day. I could give it to that person. They're having a hard day. All the choice that he brought into this piece of bread, the negativity bias is going to be resentment, anger, how unfair. And so we have that choice on how we want to respond. And, you know, Raleigh, that's so, yeah, that's so beautiful. And the other thing I want to make sure everybody understands 
uh, because we don't have much time left for today's show. But don't forget, we're going to be continuing this conversation with Relly and Kathy uh, over the next several weeks until the book is released on June the 9th. We're trying to get as much of all the goodness that we have to share in that book out to you uh, before it's published so that you get a head start on responding to America's coping with coming back. But the thing that you said, really, that really needs to be um, focused on is if you are unaware of your feelings, mm-hmm. you will match the intensity of others' feelings, whether it's yeah. anger, whether it's sadness, whether it's loss. And, and staying here with Viktor Frankl for a second and his experience uh, in the concentration camps, you see what could have happened to him? He could have become totally enmeshed in all of the anger, frustration, sadness, and loss going on around him. But because he understood the influence of one positive thought, one positive thought, that's all it took, being grateful for bread. Or, in his case, he talks about looking beyond the barbed wire, looking beyond the cage. Mm-hmm. And seeing a flower springing to life over yeah. a period of days when the weather changed from icy cold to a warm spring, visualizing that flower beyond the cage, beyond the barbed wire, just focusing on that yeah. flower. These are the things that stimulate our feelings. It stimulates release of sadness through something that's beautiful. It releases our capacity for empathy. And so being unaware of our feelings is much more dangerous than letting somebody else drive, Mm -hmm. right? Because we can get lost in everybody else's feelings. That's all I wanted to add. Kathy, so well, so well put, but I think you hit on something that's really good. You know, you talk about attention and focus, you talk about the flowers. I think what kept... Um, uh, Frankel. Frankel alive, and he he quickly said, "Who who were people who stayed alive? It's people who were basically you know had the attitude like he did." And it was thinking about putting together his manuscript, which was called Logotherapy. And it was the future of saying, okay, I, they took it away from him. It was his manuscript, like someone took away our emotional brilliance now. It's like, hey, wait a minute, we've got to recreate this. Um, but he was recreating that. And I think how that relates to people today is this idea of, okay, what's next for you? Could you put your attention on that? What could you learn in this pandemic? Where do you want to go? Uh, like it or not, this is about accepting the feelings. You know, we're all here, and you have this opportunity. You could see it as kind of being in jail, um, or how terrible it is, or is this an opportunity? What's my next step? As you put that focus, your brain on that next step, your brain's going to go in that way. It's going to kind of create. It's going to open up different things. If your focus is how much longer can I deal with this? This is terrible. I can't handle my family anymore your brain's going to go that pathway. And so this idea of thinking about where, where do you want to go with this pandemic? Kathy, a lot of people we know, a lot of organizations are taking this opportunity to recreate what's, you know, what's going to be new for them. It's motivation to say, you know, 
we didn't have the time to recreate our processes. We didn't have the time to think about the future. Now we're compelled to do that and the creativity that can kind of come with that. So that's a, in one way is a great opportunity yeah. here. Well, as we, as we um, close out today's show, I just want to inspire everyone who's listening to please, please come back. Every Monday, we're going to have a brand new show, a conversation about coping, about getting back to our lives about bringing forward, and we're going to give you as much of our new book, Emotional Brilliance, Living a Stressless, Fearless Life, as we can before it's released on June the 9th. And when we do that um, together, uh, we're, we're pretty sure that we're going to really do some amazing, amazing things uh, as individuals and as collective human beings to help change not only our own circumstances, but those around us. Remember that repeated feelings create a belief. Repeated feelings create a belief. Believe in yourself. Believe in your future. Believe in everything that you're doing every day with everyone you touch. And those positive feelings will begin to reinforce your belief. And regardless of what you're going into, it will be a better experience. And believe me, Relly and I both have people that we have lost in this pandemic. My daughter has been jobless. Um, she's finding a new way back. Uh, many of us have had the experiences of being touched by this yep. pandemic. It's up to us to cope and bounce forward. And, Kath, that's a great message, and I think we'll leave people with, can you first start just being aware of what you're feeling? And, and accepting it for what it is, but it's almost kind of that meta-emotion, just being aware of that. So we're going to sign off for now. Keep tuning in to tune up your performance. This is Leadership Development News. You've been listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We sincerely hope that you gained some great ideas and inspiration on how to elevate your leadership skills. Join us again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time right here on the Voice America Business Channel.